is out of the hospital and we're back. We're back. I say that in the episode. Street Boys. We're back, Street Boys. This is We Made It Weird. It's the Friday dish. We got the baby shit and we're going to have a nice chat. Pete takes a shit in the middle of the episode. Why? Why? I hate this. no. You think I like it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I meant to tell you, and it seems like while we're doing the intro to our podcast is... This is the best time. Okay, yeah, this is our time. Just tell you this mundane fact, but um, I don't really listen to your podcast. I listen to Conan's podcast. Brutal. And Conan says the. Why would you say that? Oh, I I thought it would make you laugh. No, it is funny, but I'm like, maybe people are like, you know what? They do have a lot of the same guests. No, it's different for people who don't spend every second of every day with you. Jk, and you do listen sometimes. I do listen. I love your podcast um i uh, i do i know it just feels sad that i made us go here (laughs) Um, say it conan says the exact same thing to his kids that you say to me which is when like he's just kind of manically doing bits and they're like god come on dad he's like how do you think i feel i'm in here Oh, that's hilarious. That's what you say. That is what I say. That's exactly what you say. Oh, Conzies, oh, Breezies. I know. As we live and breathe. Guys, we it means so much that we have these Friday check-ins. They always make me feel better. I, I know some of you feel the same, and thank you for listening. Thank you to those of you who share with us um, the that this is helpful for you. And thank you for those of you who, if it's not helpful, don't share. <laughs> That is so funny. Thank you for those of you who don't like us for staying quiet. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> we're fragile. And thank you especially <laughs> to people that uh, want to support. Every once in a while, I get very kind people that are like, what can we do to support the show? As we joke, it's a free podcast. All podca- Well, most podcasts are free. Some aren't free. Yeah. And I always tell them what I'm going to tell you guys now. You know this. The best way to support this always free show is to try one of the Pete's Picks. And we have some great Pete's Picks for this week. We have Dame. It's time Dame. for everybody to upgrade that vibrator game Ugh. for couple play, for solo play. It's been a long December, and there's reason to believe maybe <laughs> these vibrators will be better than the last. <laughs> that is a counting crow. <laughs> But for real, for real, Dame Products is a woman-founded company making toys for sex that close the pleasure gap, developed and tested by real people with vulvas in Dame Labs. They are engineered to bring your solo and coupled play to new heights. They're making the world a happier place, one vagina at a time. And what a great way to show your support of the show and yourself and your sexuality, and your partner. That's right. We're always talking about embodiment. We're talking about how important sex is, how important connection is. I'm a big advocate that sex toys should not be taboo. There's nothing to be uh, embarrassed about. And if you're going to use a vibrator, Dame Products is hands down the highest quality uh, products that we've seen and the most reputable and respectable company that that I've uh, come across. As we mentioned They're women-owned, and they're made by sex educators and engineering whizzes. 
So they develop toys with the help of real humans and couples like us. They have two products uh, that we want to highlight. One is the Arc. It's the G-Spot vibrator. Every comedian in the 80s, 90s, and even today has a bit about how difficult it is to find the G-Spot. Here's a tip. Hey, Batman, add this to your your utility belt. (laughs) The Arc G-Spot vibrator helps you find that perfect spot inside and out. And also my favorite to plug, uh, and uh, we love it too, is Palm, the flexible vibrator. Like a sexy, sexy Gumby, it vi- it, it, of course it vibrates, but it bends and changes. It's customizable to fit your needs. Every body is different, so why did it take us so long to figure this out? A flexible, customizable, uh, solid vulva real estate sex toy <laughs> called the Palm. Uh, we love this stuff, guys. I really want you to be healthy, happy, and getting through this time with as much joy and sexual joy as you can have. So get yourself a Dame Vibrator and show your support of the show. Go to dameproducts.com slash weird today for 15% off. That's dameproducts.com slash weird. Uh, Val, you're the you're the vulva in the room. Any anything to add? Oh yeah, I love your vulvas. Just give them exactly what they want. Why not? It's a great act of self love. And if you're gonna love them, love them with the best. <laughs> love them with the best. Absolutely. Your your vagina deserves the best. I think. Dame. I had to put the, the tag on it. <laughs> also, Val and I just upgraded to Brook Linen sheets, and I wish we had done it sooner. This is not just me reading copy we actually have brooklinen sheets on our bed and it is a complete game changer we used to love the sheets that we got when we'd go to a nice hotel and we i quietly was wondering why we didn't just do that at home the answer is sheets were too expensive yeah it's crazy i didn't need to invest that much money and that is the same problem that rich and vicky had the founders of brooklinen they tried to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg and when they couldn't unlike me who just complained and didn't even complain out loud i just kept it inside (laughs) in my cave of solitude they founded a company brooklinen the first direct to consumer bedding company they work directly with the manufacturers to make luxury affordable directly to you without the middleman without that luxury level markup they have a variety of sheets colors patterns and materials they have over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting they're so confident you'll love their products they have a 365 that's one earth human year money back guarantee and they have even more than sheets they have comforters pillows towels even loungewear so plenty of stuff to get for yourself or as a thoughtful gift uh, life is too short to sleep on anything less than really nice sheets. Don't wait till some random stay in a nice hotel to sleep on the softest, most luxurious sheets that we've ever owned. Trust me, go check out Brook Linen and feel good about your sheets and feel good on your sheets. It's 2021. Do something nice for yourself to start the new year. To help with that, Brooklinen has a special offer. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code WEIRD to get 25% off when you spend 100 bucks or more, plus free shipping. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and your promo code WEIRD to get 25% off when you spend $100 or more, plus <laughs> free shipping. Brooklinen.com. Use promo code WEIRD at checkout. And finally, we have our friends, one of our original Pete and Val picks. Uh, not just a Pete's pick, but a Pete and Val pick. Hello, Bello. Uh, this is what I've been saying. I resist 
uh, signing up for subscriptions online. And I'm crazy about that. I know you like them more than me, but I won't do it for paper towels. I won't even do it for toilet paper. Mm. But when it comes to diapers, babies be pooping. I want Hello Bella to take this wide. I want billboards that say babies be pooping. You can count on it. If you are parents, like some of the people that ask questions in this episode, you're going to need diapers. And you are not going to want to run out of diapers when you have to pull the Volvo off the 101 and change Leela in the back on on the uh, in the trunk basically in the hatchback while cars are whizzing by and realize you don't even have a diaper to get all the poop off <laughs> I like or wipes <laughs> I like to think of it too as like avoiding the arguments between you and your partner of like who forgot to get the diapers that's yeah, the worst yeah while you have poop all because over you're your sleep deprived and yes. parenting is really hard you have to remember so much as a parent just don't just take this off take of it plate. off this is one thing you can easily and quickly take off of your plate with hello bello get those diapers delivered automatically they're premium baby products at affordable prices the company was co-founded by our friends Kristen Bell well we wish we were friends with Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard who I'm a pals with I'm going to give us the role of pals, pals love yeah. to be love to upgrade to a hard F yep Dax your, your hard move hard F Wow. <laughs> well, a gentle F. Um, their diaper bundling service lets you choose from over 20 different fun rotating designs, which you wouldn't think would matter. But as I always say, when you're trying to get a diaper on a toddler and she's resisting, it does help if you can say, do you want to put on the bugs or do you want to put on the lizards? Like she has some agency yep. and then she likes it. And it grows with you. Leela just upgraded, uh, grew out of diapers and she's into the training pants, which are great. So each bundle comes with seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, which are almost 100% water, which is what you want, and one full-size product freebie. And they even come in a full, a fun box they that turns into a robot. Well, the, this, this, it's it's different every month. Last month was December, so uh, the box turned into a gingerbread house, Aww. and this month was the robot. Because it's a new year and it's a new AI overlord. <laughs> Go to HelloBello, H-E-L-L-O-B-E-L-L-O dot com slash weird to build your bundle. And HelloBello will send you diapers on a cadence that works for you. Shipping is free. You can cancel anytime. Get your super, sub, super affordable diapers delivered right to your door from HelloBello. What? What? <laughs> uh, right where? now. The yellow part. Right now. If you go to <laughs> hellobello.com slash weird, you'll get 25% off your diaper bundle order. That's a huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowouts saved. saved. That's hellobello.com slash weird. Start building. Is this a hostage situation? <laughs> oh, no. With your, start building with 25% off your order. 25% plus get 15% off any add-ons like wipes. Don't forget that's hellobello.com slash weird. Yeah. All right. Enjoy this chat with, let's see who the guest is. Valerie Ann Cheney and Pete Holmes are the guests. <laughs> wow. I don't know how we got them. They're so busy. I know. They're in high demand. I have a crush on one of them. I have a crush on both of them. <laughs> get, get in. <laughs> oh, get. Get into it. Yeah. The last do is sort of the sexy do. What? The last do is the sexy do. 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 That's how I sound during sex. I'm going to do. Ew. I sent the last episode to 
not to Richard Rohr, but to somebody in his company. <laughs> and uh, right off the bat, this one I would not send. Well, actually... Not that he would... I don't think he'd have a problem with it, but I, I, I liked I, last one because it wasn't very filthy, although I did do my orgasm. Yet. I was going to say, I, th- I thought you were going to say, it, I sent that to Richard Rohr's people and then realized that I talked a lot about my orgasm. But that was like two hours in, and I was like, if you listen that far, you understand the tone of the show. But if you're just putting on your first We Made It Weird episode, and I'm like, that's how I sound during sex, I'd be like, and... <laughs> Boy, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sound that's effect. a boner? That's just like a, oh, like that's a us, morning dude. radio show sound yeah. effect. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you get it. Um, Look, if we weren't here to make easy jokes, we wouldn't be on a podcast. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Although, I hope that's not true. Hey, happy inauguration day. Mm-hmm. New president, and he's kind of old. What do you got, Mama? How, how are you? You you start. Okay. Um, happy. I'm not, I'm not paying out. <laughs> it is not um, the inauguration day. It is the day after. And like, hey, cool beans. Already the Paris. We've rejoined the Paris thing. This isn't the Drudge Report, <laughs> Valerie. Nobody gives a shit. And this isn't for our time capsule. <laughs> People do. You were the one that brought up the inauguration. Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. All right. Well, the, I didn't the know. horse is out of the hospital. Yeah. Um, so so we're feeling good, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm doing well. I think Umbop was in my head because I was just talking to my girlfriends about rollerblading because I think I might get some blades. Oh my god! You 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 kids rollerblading out there? You're gonna wear um, your, your Bart Simpson shirt and rollerblader on the the hood. Yes, I sure am, and my hot pink knee pads. Um, I vividly remember I bought rollerblades because I had to. Wait for what? Because I was a, a <laughs> like either a preteen or an early teen in the nineties. Oh, okay, it was and required. you had to get them. And I went on one of my my patented and trademarked mom walks. <laughs> But I was turning it into a mom blade. Oh, my God. So she was walking, and I was blading. Uh, Helmet, wrist guards, knee pads, (laughs) elbow pads. With your mom! (laughs) (laughs) And then then with the human embodiment of a helmet, knee pads, elbow pads, and wrist guards, a mom. (laughs) And we went on a walk, and I really remember this. It's maybe part of why I don't try... Uh, like if I like really had the mind for it, maybe I could be like, fuck it, 2021, I'm going to get over my balance issues. I'm going to ski. I'm going to water ski. I'm going to jet ski. No skis. Um, all the skis. (laughs) Oh, there are skis on it. I was thinking of a, no, jet ski. What? And then a snowmobile, which does have skis, is called a snowmobile. It should be called a snow ski. Well, but uh, skiing is a snow ski as well. Yeah, it should but be called a ski mobile. A ski mobile. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> ski mobile parentheses for use on snow should be its name. I think. Ski- I think we fixed it. <laughs> okay. What? What? Actually, I was going to say I think ski implies snow, but it doesn't because water skiing. And jet ski is a water ski craft. Mm. It's it's not like a. This is. I think we've milked it. There was a good shot of milk. There was enough milk in that you always drop your <laughs> ring during these chats. I I don't even drop it. They just the longer you talk, they just fall. 
Oh my god! I'm sorry. That's so funny. I You're knew so you funny. Mind. That is so funny. I go. That last bop is do the sexy one. And we then just, you just hear, hear my. <laughs> wow! It's like you used to just have to walk three times around a person to divorce them. I just have to make it. You've never heard that? No. Yeah, I forget what culture it is. I think it's Vancouver. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on the board. That was good. I'm putting my wedding ring back on. You won me. We were watching a movie last night and I was like, oh, for five. Like, I thought you couldn't hear me. I was like. I thought I was killing it. And I look at you and I was like, she can't hear me. And you were like, no, I can hear you. I just was like. Well, what happens is I will get sometimes very into what we're watching. And when you sometimes smoke a little weed, you get very riffy. The cops listen to this. It's not illegal. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You get very riffy and I just have to. It's not that I'm making a conscious choice, but. That you'll catch me in moments where I am just trying to hear what they're saying on the West right. Wing, so I can't give you my full audience yeah. and attention. I want to get you, get to why what you were thinking about Hanson, and I didn't finish my rollerblade story, but um, I, I I understand that when I'm stoned as I was last night, because for some reason I was just really stressed yesterday. That often happens to me. Days that are supposed to be like great days, yeah. I'll just I, I don't know something was off. And and Leela was a delight, as she always is, but she was really not cooperating whatsoever. So when she went down, I smoked a little dope. And when I smoke a little dope, I don't want to get lost in a movie. To me, that's a waste of the dope. I'm trying mm. to break away from the movie. Yes, so okay. So we can, like, you know this is true. The biggest laughs we have will be apart from what we're watching. I'm never like, oh, Doug or Josh Lyman. Yeah. You well, devil. Especially when watching The West Wing. But of course. But even when we watched, we watched Party Down and I was enjoying yeah. it. But I would have rather at any moment paused and just been like, you know, talked about accents or whatever we ended up talking about. That is true. That's totally true. And that's very helpful. Um and you're right that like some of our biggest laughs are when you're stoned and reacting to something that we're watching. However, there is a lot that happens between those those laughs. Yeah. There's a lot of attempts and you're making your Oh help. my god, there's a lot that happens. And there's a lot of attempts. A lot of airballs, you mean? It just is you and 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 I don't mind that, but I think that my way of that was Your my wedding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm no, no 100% JK, but this is one of those moments where I'm like, you have Stockholm syndrome. No, I don't. I'm a nightmare. You are not a nightmare. I love you so much. I, it's really not a, it's not like if it were a problem, I would have brought it up. It's just, I'm realizing that that's one of the ways me like kind of half listening to you is a way to find a compromise because usually at that time of the night, I'm not. I'm, I'm, have, I'm never stoned. And I, the way that I relax is getting completely lost in what we're watching. And that's, and yeah. to be an audience to you is my favorite thing and also an effort. I understand. This is why we've said a million times, I love getting Doug with high. 
that is my favorite thing to do when I'm stoned is to perform in a in a medium where everyone knows you're stoned. Yeah, and the other people are stoned, and they and they're stoned, it. or they like watching silly stoned people. I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but yes, okay. So the rollerblade story, please. I love this. It's it's not even a story. We're going up a hill mm-hmm. next time. We're in Lexington, Mass. I'll take you to this hill. <laughs> it's a nice walk, and it was uphill. Mm-hmm. And to go uphill in rollerblades, I think you know it's kind of hard. It's not. I, I the, can't even picture it. It's not the Mountain Dew commercial that you want it to be. <laughs> I don't know even how you begin to do it. You're what I did, and you're supposed to do this with alternating feet. But I would point one rollerblade forward, mm-hmm. and then with the other one, I just push myself up oh. with, parallel to the to the ground. Oh, that's so you clever. But you're, it's clever, but it, it's just this close to what you could really do, which is alternate feet. Pushing up, and now you're right. probably hauling ass up the up the hill. But I was yeah. too shaky on them. Mm-hmm. And then we passed nightmare of nightmares. I know this is your nightmare too, or you can relate. Yeah. Another grown couple was walking down the hill, uh-huh. and I was go- I was heaving up the hill. My mom was walking and, you know, sucking in her stomach and <laughs> silently praying or whatever she was doing. Mom I, stuff. I don't even mean to tease her like that's stupid. I'm just saying that I think that's what she sort of did on those walks. Mm-hmm. And the guy, my whole life has been like become a comedian so you know what to say when someone says something like this. He just goes, not as easy as it looks, huh? Oh. Because it was so oh. of the moment. Like... <sighs> Rollerblades had just dropped, and everybody was seeing people just sailing and, yeah. and like doing amazing things. And now I'm just heaving oh, up a hill, fully padded with your mom. Yeah, oh. and then I and then we'd get the camcorder, and I remember going down a hill, a very slight hill, uh-huh. and Ern was filming, and at the bottom, real cartoon style, I went whoop and landed oh, right on yeah. my back. Uh-huh. Which is which? You know, it's so weird that that's like America's funniest videos because it's the worst. Yeah, when it's you and the wind got knocked out of me, and I'm flailing around and I'm purple lipped and red cheeked. I hate this one. I know this one stinks. And but it's very telling. Like Ern Ern sort of did what he probably thought I would wanted him would have wanted him to do, which is keep filming (sighs) because we live in a world where that's going to be like hilarious. Yeah, I had no. I, I think we taped over it immediately. Were, Never watched it. Yeah. I was just like, so I don't have the greatest association with rollerblades. Mm, well, I want to say before I get into my and your Hanson thing. thing. Well, that it's connected. Oh. It's, it's not even a story. It's just like it was meant to be, just like a statement. But now I'm picturing all three of those boys rollerblading. Six blades, <laughs> three Hansons. Yeah. Wait. Six blades. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I was thinking wheels. The two multiple throwing us for a loop. <laughs> I couldn't count the wing, uh, the wheels. It's four per. Wait, let's see. It's an mbop. And <laughs> I don't know. That's just what you say when you don't know something. Somebody, oh my God. Somebody's <laughs> screaming 24 wheels at us right now. Um, I okay. think it's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that you, JC? <laughs> JC. Um, were you ever embarrassed going on those walks with your mom? No, because no, usually no one would see us. It was like if the highlight. If your friends of, had seen you, though. What friends? Oh. Ern? <laughs> like, you mean my mom? <laughs> I look back. Ern, speaking of my fundamental wound, is that I am too much. Mm. So I didn't tell you about this last night, but when I was stoned and I was alone, I sort of went to the emotional place. Mm. And I forget who I was thinking of, but... 
I don't know. I got the I got the sense that maybe I was bugging Kumail or mm. something. Like I had texted him too much that day or, or mm-hmm. something. And the voice came back. It was like, yeah, people don't really like you. <laughs> like I know this sounds so sad. Mm. But then I was just like, yeah, I'm a bit much. Isn't it funny that I say that on stage? Because that's sort of my, mm. my wound is yeah. I'm like, I'm too much. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I would call Earn... And he remembers this sort of differently, but he would, I would want to stay on the phone so long <laughs> that he would end phone calls by going 10, 9, <laughs> 8, meaning he's going to hang up on one. Because so I'm just, funny. yes, I'm just riffing and singing. So I didn't want, it's not that my home life was so horrible, yeah. but I didn't want to go back. I used to always was negotiating with Ern. Because we live like maybe three miles apart, Mm. just a little too far. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if you leave now and I leave now, we can meet halfway and walk the rest of the way to your house. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just walk home. Like, that's a six mile walk. I'm saying that's how badly I need not so much to get out of my house. That might have been part of it. But it was more like, and that doesn't necessarily mean for traumatic reasons. Yeah. Honestly, when I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking of boredom. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking of this insatiable, sort of like me on the couch when I'm stoned with you. Mm -hmm. This like sweaty, purple-lipped, red-cheeked need to be seen, Mm -hmm. right? Is again, sort of the wound. Mm -hmm. And like I, (laughs) we would do that and I would pretty much get to his house before I saw him. Mm -hmm. Like he would delay, delay. He didn't want it. Ten. (laughs) Nine. So like... That that came up when I was smoking dope. And I was like, no wonder you're like, like, I want to be like, oh, people are safe. Live in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Jesus is always calling it a banquet, a feast where mm. everyone's invited and everybody comes and we all gather together. And I really struggle mm. with the fact that I don't like love parties and I don't love dinner parties. And because like, I'm like this, I don't know how we got here, but I was like, all it leads to is at some point they'll be like, this is too much. <laughs> That's so interesting, though. Because You're too much. And I, I am so sorry that you feel that way. But I also wonder if the, the like too muchness. Well, I guess you uh, you felt that way with Ern, who was a safe person. So I, that's not really my I like was going to say anxiety or something. Yeah, if it is a way to control the situation cuz it's not too much, but it's you know, there is an awareness of like trying to not just like perform for every conversation. But as we're talking about this cuz I agree with what you just said and I think that's what it is, it strikes me that I will cut somebody out of my life so fast if they act like me. Mm. Like I have so little tolerance. So it's not like I think Oh, Kumail's annoyed with me. What an asshole. I don't think that. Mm. I go back to me and go like, yeah, Mm. you're a little sweaty. Like my best friend in college was a a girl named Jamie. And I used to just call her too much. And I have a very vivid memory of her answering the phone and all her friends were there. And she was like, what? (laughs) And I was like, why did I do this? Why did I knew I was calling too much and I knew they were laughing at me, Mm. but I like, leaned into it. It's like Chris Mm. Farley. Everybody loves when fatty falls down. Mm. I sort of related to that. I was like, well, this will be the entertainment subconsciously. That is another protective element that you have though. Cause we've seen that. And we've talked about this before on the podcast with 
you know, friends that I have or a friend that I have that you worry that you have, that you'll like offend her, you double down. You say, you say offensive things. Let's get this over with. So yeah, it's (laughs) it's like your way of controlling it. You're like, I, what you, and this makes perfect sense. I think we can have a lot of compassion for this protective, for this protector in you. That's like, I don't want to say something sincere and then have that offend you. So instead, I will say something that I know is offensive and have that offend you. It's yeah, like to have control. To have control over it. I think my then, dad would do the same thing. Yeah. Like when the church group would come over, he's like, you all see me as a working class slob. I'll give you a working class slob. Like it'd go. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. It's Nora Ephron's thing about if you slip on a banana peel Everybody laughs at you, but if you write t- about slipping on a banana peel, it becomes your laugh. Yeah, this like, goes. Uh, it, well, Mark Marin also said comedians got laughed at when they were young, and then they became comedians to control why people laugh at yeah. them. And I really relate to that. I, I didn't want to fall on my rollerblades. I wanted to command the laughter, but it, it starts from the the embarrassment and the fear of falling on your rollerblades are being too much. Mm-hmm. And that is the good part of what I love about showbiz. Like this this podcast, if this is the first one you guys are listening to, impossibly, um, we have our date and we spend our day doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's very telling. So there's sort of like a need, mm. you know, and, and when I get to act or perform or whatever, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like when I was in camp and they taught us improv games, I was just like, it fucking excuse me. <laughs> That's E dash fucking excuse me. <laughs> fucking excuse me. I couldn't believe that there was. It was like a, a really tall, muscly kid, and when he was in seventh grade, they were like, "This is basketball." Yeah, like all this energy that you mm-hmm. had could finally go into something that everybody would like to watch. Yeah, and I was like. You want me to make up dumb... St- you want me to say my name is Captain McGillicuddy? Yeah. And my boat is made out of cheese? Like, you, that, you'll that you celebrate that? Yeah. But then the other side of it... And this is what I've really been feeling this week. Because it really bummed me out. I just felt like I was waiting for my affirmation too much from the outside. Mm. I was waiting for too many emails. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for too many texts back. I was waiting for too many... Um, just everything was outside of me mm-hmm. and it's no wonder we, I realize this all the time, I suppose it's no wonder that I am so interested in things that are like, no drop anchor inside. Mm-hmm. And today I made a concerted effort. I was like, I'm not going to check my email mm-hmm. or my phone until after n- noon, mm-hmm. at which I did. And I, I think that I'm so happy to be sharing this with the listeners too. I think that's one of the great secrets of happiness that I found. Mm -hmm. It might not be noon for some people. Maybe that's not realistic. But if you can get up and not start your day on the on on the offensive or on the replying side, Mm -hmm. because then you're just setting this pattern of like, it's all about what do they think? What are they going to reply to my reply? Mm -hmm. Um, Will they give me what I need? But when you start during the day and if you just read a couple pages of a book you like or meditate or just have your coffee quietly and not let the whole fucking thing get re-downloaded to you. Yeah. Every email reminding you of every 
role you play in the world. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's not just an email. It's opening up the laptop, remembering the preposterous long password I have. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes the website I'm going to, the the password isn't, this is, this is what it feels like. You go to, uh, let's say you go to Amazon. You have to get something on Amazon because you're in that mode now. Mm -hmm. So you've been replying to emails and you're like, well, I should get that vitamin or whatever, or, or that tea. I bought tea. Mm-hmm. I should go on Amazon and buy that tea. You don't have to do this now, but you're in that mode. Mm-hmm. You go to Amazon and you're logged out. So then you're like, well, my password is is stored by an app that keeps all my passwords. Mm-hmm. Now I have to go into that app, but then that app is logged out. Yeah. So now I'm typing in like an incredible, like a comically long and complicated password to unlock that. Come to find out that I wasn't in the app, I was in the extension. So then when it asks for the, the double verification, I go back to the app and I'm logged out again. So now I'm typing it in again. Mm. And now I'm frustrated, so I'm typing it in wrong. I, I mess it up. Yeah. So now I have to do it again. And then you just are yeah. a cog in a system. Yeah. You've lost all autonomy. You've lost all of your inner monk. You've yeah. lost all of your I am the universe. It, it's like a compulsion to, to conquer this thing. And it never stops. And yeah. then the rest of your day, you're upset and uptight. And then you're texting Kumail too much. And no wonder you are. Because the whole day, the, the tone of the day was set that you are not enough. And you need the next hit mm. and the next fix from a person, an app, an email, an answer, a phone call, whatever it might be. Yeah, Totally. I mean, it really is, it makes a perfect sense that, and I told you this this morning, that like that external validation does have a momentum. And of course, your brain and your ego would latch onto that and like make that the source of your compulsion. I kind of have this feeling that, like, all in my experience, my brain is always just kind of switching whatever it, it's going to obsess about in that moment. I remember having lunch with Chelsea and she said, it's when like, it wasn't Instagram. Mm. We had Twitter, we had Instagram. Oh, it, it wasn't Vine, but it might as well have been Vine. Let's mm-hmm. say it was Vine. Mm-hmm. And we were both on our phones. That was a, a, a sort of the norm. Obviously it still can be the norm. Yeah. We're both on our phones. And she just said this. One of the things that makes Chelsea so funny is she'll just say what you're really feeling. And she goes, regarding Vine, Mm -hmm. it's fun to have another thing to check. Because we all know what it's like to check Instagram. Yeah. And while you're checking Instagram, you know emails are piling up. Mm. And then you check your email. While you're checking those emails, you know your Twitter replies are piling up. And then you know your Vine comments are piling up or whatever it is. Yeah. And up. Obviously, I don't know if, if Chelsea's still that way. We both were at that lunch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I've realized, of course you're agitated. We have no practice, re- meaning just we're not habitualizing mm. going, I'm okay. Jack Cornfield, I'm okay right now. Yeah. And your system is completely overstimulated. Yeah. And I'm convinced, even right now, it's it's it was tempting my... Agents were just calling and I texted them to be like, because I auditioned for something and I was like, maybe it's about that. And it's not. It's not. And even if it was, can't I just find out afterwards? What's the difference? Yeah. They have a helicopter standing by. I have to go now. Yeah. It's really amazing that you aren't in this kind of state more often because your job is so much waiting to hear about something that could potentially change our lives. (laughs) 
Right. It could could change your lives literally, meaning it will change where you're spending your summer. Yeah. You could be in a different city. Yes. With your baby in a new place. So, yeah, absolutely. And and often not finding out until like a month before that happens, you know. Yeah. And also it's like waiting to find out if you're like going to get money for the family. Yeah. Are you going to be able to cover your health insurance? Yeah. Because the health insurance comes from... I think it's acting and writing, and and both of those are sort of hard to keep going. Yeah. Um, I forget what it is. It's like 3% of SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, 3% at any time are working. And it's like 97% of us aren't. Wow. Something like that. It's a preposterous number. But don't you have to have, like, you have to have had at least one job? It's something for like the that. year to keep it or something. You know, I think it's not number of jobs; it's amount of money. So oh. I think that's why maybe you see um, some actors doing commercials or whatever it might be, mm. just to keep, keep their the insurance. insurance. Yeah, I think that might be the thing. Maybe I didn't mean to hijack this and turn it into the psychology of a comedian. We usually get into <laughs> more interesting things. You were saying about Hanson, and this is silly to go back to after M'bop. this. I was just like saying that Mbop was in my head because. I was talking, my friend is rollerblading and like going to cool skate parks. And I just feel like that's such a perfect thing to be doing right now because it's, it's like nostalgic and new. It's like, you'll feel like you're a kid, nostalgic. Yeah. And I was sharing, we were, it led to like all of us, cause there were like four of us sharing our memories of rollerblading as a kid. And I remembered that I used to love after school to come home and put on my um, Hanson CD, their first (laughs) album, uh, and just rollerblade around the garage. (laughs) Like in just like a very tight circle around the garage. (laughs) That's a great, how could you think that would have been a waste? I also want to say, I apologize for saying this isn't the Drudge Report and it's not a time capsule. (laughs) I am punchy, but I'm feeling better. Yeah. That's what the podcast always is. It's like, let's decompress. Yeah. But I, I, went, I went into sort of a roasty mode. I also feel bad that you, like, now knowing the context of you being, feeling a little bit more in your wound of, am I too much? Now I feel bad that I said that about you being stoned. Well, then take it as a compliment that it didn't even occur to me. Okay. Even 1%, like, oh, Val is confirmed. I know we're good. Like, okay. I feel so safe and fine. Oh, good. And I'm also just like, if the jokes aren't working, then the jokes not working become what's funny. And that was funny. That's right. And it led to this conversation. Yeah. I have um, a Richie reading. Oh, great. Yeah. Do you have another thing that you have? No, I wanted to say we are, believe it or not, we are going to be answering questions this episode. Um, so why don't you read your Richie reading? Read your Richie roar reading. Read a, your Richie a roaring, roar reading. A roaring. Um And then we'll answer some questions. I just... Going back to what I was saying, if I take literally what I'm going to read is one human page Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the difference between a good day and a bad day often is, did I just take the time to read one, one page? Mm -hmm. Um, Because so hopefully it'll help me now and shift us into a a nice place and everybody listening. Uh, So this is from one of my favorite books of his because uh, for many reasons, but They're very, very short um, little, I wouldn't even call them chapters. They're sort of chapters and they're sub-chapters. And it's called Just This. And this is called The Whole is in the Parts. Mm. 
St. Augustine ended one of his great sermons by saying, in the end, there will only be Christ loving himself. Mm. Paul preceded St. Augustine when he said that, when he said that in the end, God will be all in all. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 28. They saw creation as coming full circle. Both St. Augustine and Paul are pointing out that the eternal one has come forth and has taken on form and manifestation in the whole of creation. So the eternal one has come forth and has taken on form and manifestation in the whole of creation. I'm just pausing there to be like, so it's not something somewhere else. It's this. It's the system that we're a part of. Yeah. Which I just love being reminded of. Yeah. Humans, animals, plants, elements, the galaxies, and all the endless forms and faces that have come forth from God. Mm. Everything you have ever seen with your eyes is the infinite self-emptying of God and what goes around comes back around. I love that. Mm. Your job as a conscious human is to awaken early to inherit to this inherent beauty and goodness. Why wait until heaven when you can enjoy the divine flow and everything you see now? Personally, I think that's Richard sort of um, throwing a, the traditional view a bone. Yeah. Um, although I don't know what his views are on heaven. I know he's staunchly anti-hell. Um, being fully present to to the soul of all things will allow you to say, this is good. This is enough. In fact, this is all I need. That goes back to Mm. what I was saying, like waiting for something else. Just the simple mantra, this is good. This is enough. In fact, this is all I need. Mm. When we're all in quarantine, when we all, I haven't had this in a while, but we all have stuck in that loop of like, all right, we're watching the West Wing and Lee's asleep and then I'll go to bed and then I'll get up with her. Or yeah, you'll get up with her. Groundhog like, Day feeling. Groundhog yeah. Day. I haven't had it very recently either. Me neither. Which I is what interesting because nothing has changed. <laughs> but when that happens, you can interrupt your system, your programming, your, your patterns and say, this is good. This is enough. In fact, this is all I need. Mm. You are now situated in the one loving gaze that unites all things in universal attraction and appreciation that yearning of the universe mm. to be bound together. Mm. So you're allowing your consciousness. Isn't it so funny? We talk about this, like the human body needs balance. Yeah. Even it's socializing and it's alone time. Um, the times that you're eating ice cream and the times that you're eating kale. The times you're resting, the times you're working. It's it's such a huge clue. Yeah. Even in sleep, you need to be awake and that needs to be balanced when you're asleep. So we're in this whole wor- universe that has these laws of balance, and yet we think we're sort of walking on top of it. You're swimming inside of it. That's In right. fact, you are it. Yeah, that's right. So it's really wonderful, even when I am lonely, agitated, punchy, angry, to know that that is also balancing my equanimity. But yeah, <laughs> you know? or that's balancing like your excited mania. That's like right. That, and that's leading to equanimity. It's like a, it's, the equanimity is sort of the hum underneath it all. Yeah. But if I'm going to be flared up and writing and creating, there's going to be times when I'm flared down yeah. and angry and whatever it might be. Mm. Um, so you are now situated in the one loving gaze that unites all things in universal attraction and appreciation. So participating in that attraction and appreciation. That's beautiful. This is enlightenment, and you do not have to sit on a cushion for 40 years to enjoy it. This is my favorite part. Mm. This is what I wanted to get to. I hope I didn't lose anybody because there's a lot of God language in this chapter, but I think this last one's for everybody, regardless of what words you use. As Lady Julian of Norwich, one of my favorite uh, mystics said, 
Jesus Christ is the only... I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like super That's religious. so funny. One of my favorite mystics said when she looked lovingly at one little hazelnut in the palm of her hand, quote, this is everything that is. Mm. I mean, that... That is so much easier than maybe disciplining your mind to meditating. Although I do want to talk about that, that one thing I read from Merton after this. But Mm -hmm. this is everything that is. Our contemporary Ken Wilber put it this way. Everything is a holon, a part that replicates the whole. So these systems of balances, like it's in the solar system and it's in the hazelnut. And it's in you. And you don't have to apply religious imagery or metaphor or history or story to that to just trip out and go it's like we say i'm being supported by the chair which is being supported by the earth Mm -hmm. i'm breathing in what the trees are exhaling Mm -hmm. i am not only in the ocean i am like a soluble powder that has been stirred into the ocean that is sort of walking around under the illusion that i am separate because my perception is perceivably separate Mm. But it's so comforting and nice to remember that you're what the hell is water? You know, you're you're in the ocean. And you're home. Like how you couldn't be any more home. You're you match everything here. That's right. <laughs> and when when you're out of balance, that's a that's a clue of just at home at how at home you are mm. because the universe too is sometimes out of balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a hurricane is the restoring of a balance yeah. that wasn't there. Yeah. So, like, it, it's it's a wonderful at home feeling, mm. atonement, at one mint. You know, mm-hmm. um, the thing that I read in Thomas Merton that really blew my mind, and it's really been changing the way I've been meditating lately, is he's like he uses the word pray, and he's like when you pray, um, one of the biggest obstacles to connecting to the mystery is prayer. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes praying will be what's in the way. Mm -hmm. And this could just be repeating a mantra or or praying or whatever it might be, or saying this is all there is. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you need to remember that the point isn't to repeat the phrase well, or even like hypnotize yourself with the phrase. Let the phrase sort of repeat itself Mm -hmm. and remember that you need to separate from the mind that is praying. And as I always say, drop anchor into the infinite source that is, you know, springing up from inside of you. So it's almost like you go, you repeat the mantra brain. And while it's just right when it starts, it doesn't need to be 20 minutes in right when it starts, you can slowly still facing it, but back out the door and take the elevator down, Mm -hmm. down, down. But just remembering that the point is to get into an experiential flow state of oneness mm-hmm. and not f- don't focus on the on the mantra. Yeah. Let the mantra he says let prayer pray itself. He actually says let Jesus pray for you. Mm-hmm. Kabir says or it might be um uh it's not Hafiz, but it's one of those guys mm-hmm. says I don't meditate um, Krishna meditates for me. I sit mm. relaxed by the river mm. while he repeats the mantra. Mm-hmm. And that's a good clue. Like It's like throwing a ham for the dogs. And then I, that used to be a lot of my meditation. And then the, the dogs would eat the ham. And I was like, it's nice to not hear the dogs barking. Yeah. But don't forget that it's a heist. Yeah. While they're you know distracted, dip down. And when you remember, 
in my experience, it's right there. Something that I thought would take 20, 30, 40 minutes of meditating to get to that deep gooey place, the Mm -hmm. warm cookie place Mm -hmm. is right there. If you remember that the point isn't the mantra, let that, let that do it itself. Don't, don't focus on it too much and slip out the back. Yeah, absolutely. And I made this comparison this morning, but that I, the same thing is true for the breath or the sounds like whatever your anchor is. Mm. Um, but the breath I feel like is easier to even understand this. It's like you, you start by using the breath, uh, as your anchor, but you want to place your attention on the breath. You're not thinking about the breath. And, and that's how sometimes people are like, I get really stressed out when I, when I focus on my breath people, yeah. and, and that's has happened to me too. And when that's happened, at least for me, there's, there might be a lot of reasons why that, that is the case for people. But, um, certainly for me, that's a sign that I'm thinking about the breath. I'm not just noticing the breath and it takes a little bit of time in my practice to do that. But then a time will come where I feel like I am being breathed. That's exactly what I'm saying. You don't want to think about the mantra. You want to notice the mantra. Yeah. So if you are just looking at a rock and saying, this is all it is, don't get, don't let prayer get in the way of your praying. Yeah. <laughs> just let it happen. And, and I, I can't, it really is a surrendering. And I, it really does feel like a dropping down yeah. into, well, and that's what Richie, I was watching a thing, Richard Rohr, has in his, uh, it's these DVDs I have right here on the Trinity. It's called The Shape of God. He's like, um, the way that you would define what, how he would define a Christian is someone who has learned to rely on that inner source. Yeah. It's not a morality. It's not the rituals. Any of those things is just you earning something that you already are, something that you've already been given. Yeah. How can you be given it more? Yeah. It's it's like this, there's parables about this. You can't divide infinity. You already are it. Mm-hmm. And you just want to you want to get to it. So like but when I'm stressed or in a tough place or in traffic or hungry or hangry remembering that just as it is with meditating even in this moment it's available to just kind of try to find the part in your chest and your heart that feels like a spring. Yeah. Go in there and find that and just let it sort of blow the debris off of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you might be able to get right there or you might have to in those moments directly address the protectors that are guarding you from getting in there or like your mind that is is trying to keep you like up here. Mm. Um Sometimes those things need acknowledgement before they will open the gate. So, like, I'm just saying that. Oh, I love that. That's the Valerie. That's the Valerie special. (laughs) Yeah, that is. I pretty have one. Pretty much have one message to reach. But just in case anybody is like, I can, I can never do it in that moment. It's like, yeah, you might have a lot of protectors being like, that's not safe. We don't. We're not familiar with that. We have all these other protective mechanisms. That's right. To help us when we're stressed, and you kind of sometimes need those protectors uh permission or you need to at least be like i see you absolutely and then you can drop down completely agree it's sort of like at the carnival that have that like it looks like a phone booth and they put money in it and then they shoot the air in 
Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like a leaf blower, and uh-huh. you have to, like, scrounge around for the money. Yeah. So that's a little bit like meditating. It's like the money is all your thoughts and feelings. Mm. And the true game is to find the source of the wind. Yeah, right. Yeah, don't it just make be any collecting sense. Yeah. the money so that you don't have any money, like, floating around. Right. Like, I feel like people who don't haven't practiced or, or maybe even who have practiced often think that it's like a clearing your mind. And that's not it at all. Merton said something great, too. And again, you got me this book for Christmas. It's called The, po- the Pocket, Thomas Merton. I highly recommend it. It's a very thoughtful compilation. Mm. Um, and I, I love it. And he says, so, he, again, I, I call him my, my grumpy mystic because mm-hmm. I recognize my own grumpiness in him. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I love about him is he's not going around trying to convince everybody how nice he is. Yeah. He's trying to talk about how he's trying to be real. Yeah. And he says somebody who has, when they sit down, has um, evil thoughts or lustful thoughts or murderous thoughts or self-hatred or ugliness, he's like, they might be in an adv- at an advantage to meditate more deeply than someone whose mind just conjures up positivity and nice mm. thoughts and puppy dogs and and Gerber daisies because the person with the nasty thoughts will be driven to go deeper because of, they want to get away from them. Yeah. That, that motivates them. Yes. And this basically, I'm reading Ramdas's book as well. It's called Being Ramdas. I highly recommend it. It's his last book. He says that he says what Byron Katie says too is that every situation is a is seen from a certain vantage point is like, wow, another opportunity to try and not lose myself and to try and and stay in my calm center, even though this, this, or this. And you know what? If you blow it, who cares? Because there's another fresh one. Now you have to deal with the feeling of I blew it. Can you stay in your calm center with that? Like Yes. it, It almost starts to look like your weird thoughts or your weird situations or the things that you wouldn't want or ask for are, are grace. It helps me get into that place where I'm like that from that perspective, you can start to go, Oh shit. It's not this. The universe isn't throwing baseballs at me. They're pitching me baseballs so I can, well, the Zen guy would just watch them go by and be like, what a beautiful strike. But to complete the metaphor (laughs) to to hit a, a, a good ball. That's right. Absolutely. I love that. And that is exactly what uh, my reading was for today. And I was going to do it at the end. I have another poem I'll do at the end. Uh, But it's just so apropos that I have to do it now. Um, It also makes me think of Eckhart Tolle says, people who, who are suffering are more likely to awaken, based I'm paraphrasing, are more likely to awaken because you might not be motivated to awaken from a dream that's not that's it. a nightmare. That's Ram just Ram in, in the meditating, the book on meditation that he wrote that I always read from, is like once you get to a place where you've woken up a good amount, uh, I know it doesn't really make sense to quantify that, but you're at a place and everything's easy. Mm. Um, and you're, he basically he likens it to being in a valley at the base of a mountain mm. that you had to climb another mountain to get to. And there's a cafe and there's beautiful grass and water and sunlight. He's like, it sucks to say this, but like you need to climb the next peak and it's alone and it's scary and it might be Mm. cold and dark. You have to leave 
the comfort. The comfort. Yeah. And he's like, it's a re- he because he's a reincarnation guy. He's like, most people will awaken to that level and they'll just stay there for many lifetimes mm. because life is such a joy. Wow. I don't think he's judging it. Uh, he's just saying the the real trip is the next peak, which look to any hero's journey movie for other examples of this. That's um, so interesting. So I'm going to play music while you do your reading. Is that okay? Oh, that's cute. I like that. Somebody <laughs> told me the world is gonna roll me. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if I didn't love this reading so much, I would actually no propose. Way. I really think it would be funny to try and use these words over. Maybe we'll do it after I read Hilarious. it. Hilarious. <laughs> um, so this is a Rilke poem. He's great. Rilke. Rilke. Uh, and I got this from character idea. Real Keegan Michael Key. <laughs> Keegan Michael Rilke. <laughs> I got. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I got this from. Tara Brock's book, Radical Acceptance, which I've mentioned multiple times. I, I was, love that people will have an idea of how long it takes me to finish a book because I'll just keep mentioning it until I'm done with it. Yeah. And probably after. But I am on page 193. What? So That's great. So that's great. And you I have feel a like, master's degree. I know. But I've mentioned it at least the last three podcasts. So, um, And I also have a two-year-old. So why am I being hard on myself? Yeah. I'm going to radically accept my pace of reading this book. I really appreciate that. Um, it's, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and if you just buy this book and only read chapter six and seven, your life will probably still be changed. It's like... Uh, the chapter six is on radical acceptance of desire. So that's helped with a lot of like addiction stuff and understanding that. Mm. And chapter seven is radical acceptance of fear or opening our heart in the face of fear. We should talk about, remember we had that chat about addiction. Yeah. I'd like to talk about that too. too. There was some joke you made last night that was so funny. It wasn't, Mm. we made the joke that the guy that joins the, the cast of, West Wing, like season four, looks like Nick, no, Stephen Kroll Bear. Yeah, that's great. Like a mix of Nick Kroll and Stephen Colbert. But you said something kind of like that, Joe? Yeah, it was like a name, a name pun. Oh, it was Brian. <laughs> it was Brian. It's not, it's not like sensitive to. Oh, I don't mind. I think you're fine. It's okay. Brian Gumble, who is like a, a and we were man. noticing that he's still in good shape and handsome. Yeah, and we were like, if he ever gained a lot of weight, you could call him Brian. It was like he can't. He he has to stay in good shape, otherwise people would start calling him Frying Gumbo. <laughs> I like it. I don't think that's shameful. It's just like we were like, he probably feels pressure to stay in shape because it's right there. Either Brian Gumbo or Frying Gumbo, either one. Um, yeah, I, I do think that joke is funny. And all bodies are beautiful. Okay. Are you kidding me? I like him a little bit more Frying Gumbo, if you know what I mean. Well, that's great because I'm... Definitely frying some gumbo tonight. Frying Gumbo every night lately. Um, okay. Here we go. Switching gears extraordinarily. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So this is from Rilke. Unites of anguish. Why didn't I kneel more deeply to accept you? Inconsolable sisters and surrendering lose myself in your loosened hair. How we squander our hours of pain. 
how we gaze beyond them into the bitter duration to see if they have an end, though they are really seasons of us, our winter. We're back to balance. That's it. And it's like, and yeah, and the reflection, our inner world, how we match this world, that there are seasons. But that's exactly what you're saying, where it's like we squander these these moments that are inviting us to awaken. They're like... Just get it over with. Yeah. yeah, We're like, just can we just get through this? It's a distraction. I, I still think of my pain as like a failing often. Mm. Why am I, how am I still dealing with this? I should be beyond, I should be past this. Mm. Or like, this is unfair. This is a, this is what? I just thought to merge two vegan meat alternatives, I should be on burger this. (laughs) Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, So stupid. But yeah, it is, it, I, when I'm feeling pain, I am like, this is a mistake. This is either a mistake on my part or a mistake in this design. Mm. This is a flaw. This is something that needs to be fixed. This is a problem. And it's like, how, why would that be any more of a problem than anything else that is naturally occurring? That's right. (laughs) I think that's one of the reasons why LA, California maybe can be such a superficial and sort of strange off center place mm-hmm. when it comes to our Botox and whatever, our plastic surgeries and all these things. I'm like, when you and I spent that part of the winter in Rhinebeck, New York, yeah. and the world looked like dying wet trees, yeah. we loved it because the part of us that looks like and feels like dying wet trees saw itself mirrored. Yeah. Then you come out here and you're like, you feel like a dying wet tree and you're like, and I'm not even, I'm, this is not Botox shame, but you're like, I should get some Botox. Yeah, you know I, mean? I need to match this like always sunny, always happy, always bright, always youthful. Right. There's, it's it's not quite right. Yeah, it's just like trying to. It's literally always summer in every possible way in LA. <laughs> That's right. Even Christmas. Yeah. Uh, the Christmas. Uh, the Christmas holiday. I do want to talk about what were you saying? Uh, the thing about addiction. Well, it's, but, I, I can make a look up the first question, and I'll make it real quick. Okay. Which was I was like. When it comes to like, oh, am I an overeater? Like, is it time to say I am powerless against overeating? Or, uh, and the jury's still out on that one, I'm sort of like, in the spiritual path, it stands to reason that the more you identify as awareness itself, the more you identify as a soul, and the more you witness your own patterns and your own behavior, from that place, it's possible to interpret every facet of human behavior as an addiction. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not saying I am addicted to, for example, alcohol. That's a harmful and bad addiction for me. It does not serve my life. And I got rid of it. That Mm -hmm. was appropriate. But I, at this point in my spirituality or whatever you want to call it, my seeking, Mm -hmm. I have to discern, Pete, is this really like a physical addiction? Like, do we need to come to earth and diagnose it and treat it as that way? Or is it the more you learn to watch your mind mm-hmm. and watch the games it plays and the patterns it it, it uh, obeys, mm-hmm. is, isn't it possible to see everything? Oh, I'm addicted to talking. I'm addicted to sleeping. I'm addicted to feeling clean after a shower. Yeah. I, like I, when I was a teenager, I'm addicted to jerking off. Like, Or am I just like, when you look at yourself from a 
extra personal perspective, mm. it's possible to see the pattern and the way that you are a reactive animal to certain impetus, yes. impeti. Yeah. And then from that place, it's tempting to go, I'm addicted to this. Okay. I'm addicted to love. I'm addicted. And I know that there's uh, love and sex addicts. I, I, I'm not, I'm not putting that addiction. down. There's real addiction, yeah. But I think when you're, when you're looking at your life uh, in a critical way as a human being and looking for addictions and dealing with them honestly, and you're separating yourself from your passing show of your drama and trying to uh, extricate yourself and be a soul, mm. it, you have to kind of take even more time, I think, to go like, well, which is it? Because when you're a soul, everything looks like a response, a conditioned response to, to a bunch of shit that's not real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, at the very least, that's a great way to access compassion for it, which is key. And and I basically, I'm going to do a bad job summarizing, so you really should just get the book Radical Acceptance and read Chapter 6 on Desire. But my understanding of um of what that chapter is mostly about is that we that everything is desire the universe exists because it desires to exist and it desires to We're back to the yearning from my reading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we desire we exist because we desire to procreate and to keep ourselves alive. So desire is one of if you know if you're ranking these it's like the most natural experience. And then what happens is we have shame around that a, dis, a specific desire, and that, and this might be the part that I'm getting wrong or that I'm freestyling, <laughs> but it's like you have shame around the desire, and then that hurts so bad that you kind of medicate it more with more desire, and then it's more and more and more and never enough because it's that vicious cycle. Right. And that's the what Tara Brock's called calls the wanting self. So then that just kind of becomes addiction or constant wanting or obsession or something That's like that. Funny. I love that. So shame is the, is the part of it. It's not the desire. It's the shame around the desire. It's the judgment of the desire. And I, I know I shared this with you, but the example that she gives is someone who is uh, struggling with overeating at a retreat. Or she struggles with overeating in her life, but she's at a 10-day retreat and talks to Tara Brock about it. And... Through their sessions together, she begins to just exactly like everything else that I've ever said, because <laughs> it really seems to be the through line. She, um, do you know, all my favorite teachers have their through line. Aww. That's what I always say about Richie. I say, read any of his books, and I, I would say this to him. You're saying the same thing. He would have to agree. Yeah. The yeah. universal Christ is in the naked now. Yeah. The naked now is in the divine dance. Like. When you have, when there's a, a foundation of truth, it's going to show up. So you're yeah. in great company. Well, Please don't apologize you. about that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so it's kind of a process of using your mind for for what it's for, which is to try and kind of make sense of these things. So you can use your mind to explore if you don't already know what where the overeating came from or the addiction came from. What what is really asking for your attention in those moments? Well, that's what Pete Rollins says. Oh, yeah? He goes, the alcoholism isn't the problem. It's actually a, a gift. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> but he's saying it's a symptom, 
and it's showing you that there's something that needs attention. Yes. That needs balance. Yeah. We're going back to balance. Something is out of balance. Yeah. Alcoholism is, is tricky because it, it could be, it, it is, it's hereditary. It's a disease. It, it gets passed down and stuff. Yes. But it's interesting what you're saying is, I used to be like, well, overeating is a tricky addiction because you have to eat. Yeah. But... Any addiction is a tricky addiction because you have to want, because life is wanting. Yeah, right. So it's not just the perversion of the desire to eat or the exaggeration of the desire to eat. Any addiction, including what I will call my alcohol addiction, was an exaggeration of something that fundamentally isn't really in and of itself bad. Yeah. It's what's happening. Yeah. The tide wants to go in. The tide wants to come out. Yeah. The the planets want to circle around. Or I know they're obeying laws, but so am I. I'm mm-hmm. part of a system that's obeying these laws of desire because the whole thing's desire. Yeah. Um and I'm, I, it brings me back to Ramdas. He he said like he was a big overeater. It's in be here now. Mm-hmm. And then the more simple and more quiet he got it, it resulted in less overindulgence because mm-hmm. he knew that just wasn't where the juice was. Wow. But like, un- oh, unfortunately, so often I, I just go like, let's fix the overeating when really what I should be doing is what I'm also doing is just trying to get smaller, quieter and stiller. That's exactly it. Ben Stiller. I mean, Jerry Stiller. <laughs> so what's his dad? Is it yeah, Jerry? Jerry, I think. I need uh, to get more quiet. <laughs> that guy needed to be stiller. Yeah, serenity now. Oh my god. <laughs> um I yes, to all of that. I shoot, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Um wait, I'll I'll just get still and it'll come back to me. You're talking about Tara? Yeah, so so the sorry to put my hand up, I just couldn't <laughs> I not want to lose it again. I know, but you could see. Um so yes, so it's it is using oh yes that's what I was going to say you saying I have to fix the overeating inherent to, in that is this is a problem that I should feel ashamed about and that is what is perpetuating the wanting self and the wanting overeating right so start by using your mind for what it's good for it can it can explore where those things came from that's what like good um, you know like talk therapy that's only focused on like your your brain will do um and and then once you have that and you know what the reason is you can drop down into your body and just notice the sensation of the craving and what that feels like um in your body and even like invite it to get bigger just trying to fully accept that craving for what it is and just sit and be with it and then using the information of why you started overeating or whatever this addiction is, um, you can say in this book, she has the woman say, it's not my fault. Mm. And like, you know, you can touch your heart. You can give yourself that love. Which we all, res- I resist that every time. Like in Goodwill Hunting where he goes, it's not your fault. Yes. I'm like. I relate to the kid that's like, eh, shut up. Yeah, but that's why it's important to drop down into your body first because your body knows it's not your fault. It's your mind that right. will that will insist that it is. Right. Um, and so, or insist that it's not. Like there is a way that you can get, this is why, and I think I mentioned this last time, Tara Brock really mentions that radical, or really expresses that radical acceptance has two wings, mindfulness so the mindfulness is getting really familiar with your patterns understanding why you are a certain way and also it is just noticing 
and being really familiar with your emotional world and your internal landscape. And then the compassion is key because that is like, that's the part that is, it's not my fault, but you need both. You can't have Mm. compassion without mindfulness because then that's victimhood Mm. and, and you're not actually looking at yourself in a, with clarity and you can't have mindfulness without compassion because then you're just going to be obsessed about like what you think needs fixing. Mm. Um, so that was just really helpful. It's like, again, for me, it, all of my teachers always bring it back to nurturing the part of you instead of looking at this is a part of me that's broken that needs fixing, looking at it as this is a part of me that's asking for my attention right now. Can I nurture and love it? And right and give it compassion. Do you want to talk about that mindfulness thing or do you want to go to questions? Cause remember you were like, it's not always safe to be mindful. Oh yeah. Um, I, d- I do want to get to questions because I feel like okay. this was supposed to be a question episode. I'm reading a book called, I think it's called trauma sensitive mindfulness. Um, I'll give you more information on the upcoming episodes because I'm literally only five pages in. We'll get to it later. But I do think it is important because we talk a lot about trauma and we talk a lot about mindfulness to know that just basic mindfulness, um, people who are researching this are finding that like just basic mindfulness isn't always totally safe if you have... A history of trauma. It can bring up a lot of stuff that you might not be resourced yet to deal with. And Tara Brock talks a lot about that in Radical Acceptance as well. Um, so just put, I'll pick that up later when I have more information, but I do think there is an urgency to understanding that. And that is helping me understand what happened to me while I was on the retreat and how that brought up a lot of of trauma stuff. So, um, so yeah. It's all about taking it at the pace of your own body. That's what I'll say so far. Okay, let's do some questions. All right, so this is from Matthew Huffman. Ooh. Hey, Val. Question for the podcast. My wife and I just had our first baby. Congratulations, Matthew. A sweet baby girl named Hadley Ann. Hadley? Hadley. That's the cutest name. And also, Ann, with no E, is my middle name. Valerie Ann. She is almost three weeks old. I'm going to cry. And I love hearing y'all talk about parenting. So I was hoping you could share some of y'all's experience, insights, and wisdom on caring for a newborn consciously and spiritually and just practically in general. Thank you. Grateful for you all. Well, I have a feeling we're not going to get past this one question. I don't know. We've, no, we've no. said a lot of it on the yeah, show. Yeah, that's true. Uh, um, not to say what a silly question. I just, I, we don't have to belabor it. Um, that is, well, I have one great book recommendation, which is called The Conscious Parent by Shafali. I don't know how to say her last name, but it's T C, I'm sorry, T S A B U R Y, I think. Um, With an introduction by the Dalai Lama. Yeah, and a blurb by Eckhart Tolle. So just really into that stuff. It's funny, I make fun of that, but I remember you were reading it and I was like, and then I saw those guys, those people, and I was like, okay. Yeah, and it's really great. It is like, how do you use parenting um, as your spiritual practice? And also, how do you use your spiritual practice to inform your parenting? And um, and there, it's it covers kind of all ages, but the first couple chapters, I think, are on 
the infant stage. And I remember I read it when Leela was a little bit older. So, and I wished I had read it before because it talks a lot about like basically allowing yourself to die. <laughs> Mm. In those moments, like how we resist. And I really, really did this. I was so uncomfortable with the the death of of my non-mother self, of my like maiden self that I was like, and I was also so afraid of having po- like falling down a pit of postpartum depression mm. um, that I like in hindsight was frantically like taking Leela to restaurants a little too early. And we went to the Ramdas retreat when she was two months old. And, um, and like, I, I took her to my friend's house when she was two weeks old. And, and if people are doing that for other reasons, that's totally fine. I'm not, there's no judgment on the actions. It's just that in hindsight, I could see that I was frantically trying to cling to what parts of me I still recognized and she kind of suggests just surrendering into the like the weird kind of ethereal sleep deprived existential place that you'll be in for mm-hmm. a little while where you're like what is the me who is a parent now like i i'm suddenly reborn but i don't know this person at all and mm-hmm. and um that you can mean f- yourself yourself yeah and the baby um so that can feel really groundless and uncomfortable, but it's also a really amazing place to just be still with it and allow it and um, and to like fully merge with your baby mm-hmm. and be like, you're the only thing I know right now. Um, so that's my goal if we have a second one. And then also I think just like giving yourself so much grace and compassion and time to not getting bogged down with how you think you should feel. I think that's really important. Yeah. I remember there being a day, I don't know how old Leela was, if she was probably about three weeks old, um, where I, you were playing video games and I was holding her just like all day and loving, like we were having just like a love affair. And I think it was like the first day that I was rested enough that I could fully feel the full spectrum of love for her. Mm. And I always say that that's like, it wasn't actually even the birth that was the best day of my life. It was that day because I was so sleep deprived by the time when I had her that I, it's not that I didn't love her, but that was coming out in extreme, um, just like interest (laughs) and, and worry and I was obsessed with her but like I was so like in a creamy dreamy hazy place that it wasn't until I I was like a little rested that I was like wait a minute I'm madly in love and that doesn't even go away we alternate mornings that we get up and on the days that I sleep in I'm like I have no problems. Yeah. <laughs> so like Val and I are always like, I think at the end when Leah's grown, we'll look back and be like, I think we were sleep deprived for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But if somebody really loves sleep, you really do get used to it. I you don't think totally anybody, used to it. anybody loved sleep more than me. Or me. We were big sleepers. We were Olympic level sleepers. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it becomes the new normal. And I thought that meant you'd be like tired or grumpy or upset all the time. You just get used to it. 
Like, and we were used to it when we were getting when we were waking up every four hours. Yeah, the the, the love carries you through, and and the adrenaline and the novelty and all these things carry you through. That's right. I mean, every two hours was hard, but I remember the first four hour stretch that we got. I, it felt like I had slept twelve hours. Yeah. So you do like adapt to that. Yeah. that your part. body knows. Your body. Yeah. Your body kicks into gear. They were asking for the spiritual angle too. Yeah, like how to be. Uh, let's see. Well, I was just watching. You didn't want to watch it with me because it's dark. So I was watching the Heaven's Gate documentary. Uh, it's a series on HBO, and it's it's pretty good. I like it. Um, and they were talking about like a lot of the members left their kids. Like they wow. had kids, like ten year old kids, Oof. and they left to go into this cult. They they called themselves a cult. Um, they obviously were a cult. That. Um, that was their calling, and and they really leaned into the words. There's a lot of things that Jesus says about if you want to enter the kingdom. Um, you know, I, I quote it all the time. I can't, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. I'm here to turn brother against brother. Um, Jesus is very kind of, in my opinion, he's sort of funny when people are like, "Your mother's outside," and he's like, "Who is my mother? These people are my mother," <laughs> which is very sort of. The exact type of language that cults misuse and misinterpret. So they're like, look, Jesus says you have to renounce your family. Jesus, you could even manipulate the words and be like, he's even saying you need to renounce your kids. Because Mm -hmm. the disciples, remember, presumably uh, men with families, he says, follow me. And they drop their nets and they follow him. So also the story of Buddha, he had a wife and children and and Mm -hmm. he left them. Um, even Maharaji, I believe, had a family before he went off and became a guru. So there's sort of this um, lineage of that being a thing. Mm. Uh, and and this cult uh, misused that, in my opinion, to get people to be like, so leave your kids behind, uh, cut yourself off from your family. Yeah. And I was like, that is the worst for me, yeah. be, not I just love not the disclaimers of like, in my opinion, it's like you, you can say it. That's that, the worst. That's the worst. But like. <laughs> That is God. I have no clearer connection Ugh. to God yeah. than Leela because she's an unencumbered ball of light. Anybody would, even non-spiritual people would be like, she's a ball of light. She's a bundle of joy. Yes. So she is the yearning of the universe mm. without all the dollar bills in her carnival cash leaf blower machine. Yeah. So she's clear. Mm-hmm. And when I'm with her, I feel plugged in. I have a lot of profound spiritual experiences with her, especially when I was sleep deprived, although it's hard to be conscious enough to enjoy them. I have incredible creativity flowing through me when Mm -hmm. I'm with her. Mm -hmm. And I just, my retort, unfortunately you can't talk back to a TV show, (laughs) but my retort is you can renounce your family. And what I mean by that is understand that you are a part of a greater Collective that mm-hmm. you truly are a son or a daughter of the mystery, mm-hmm. and you can have that distinction mm-hmm. in your brain while you're having a loving and beautiful and connected dinner with your parents, yeah, where you love them and honor them and cherish them and enjoy them, yes, and you can go like. What a silly dance. I know I'm the same thing as my mom. Yeah. And the same thing that's looking out my eyes is looking out my father's eyes. Mm-hmm. And that these are just roles we're playing. But I don't have to renounce them to renounce them. Yeah. And renounce is too strong of a word. 
but then the real point I wanted to make is I, I there's sitting with Leela and I sat with Ramdas many times very very similar feeling yeah and people that told that sat with Maharaji said that it was like hanging out with a baby yeah. And people have heard me say this a million times, which is probably my favorite Bible verse. Jesus says, you need to become like little children. And unless you become like little children, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. So it's an incredible example mm. when you see a child who doesn't know things like you shouldn't get cherries on the couch. Mm-hmm. That's a free person. Mm-hmm. And I catch myself all the time going like, you can't do that. And then I'm like, wait, why? Yeah. And the answer is there's no real reason. That's just something we do. Mm. This species does, Mm -hmm. but she's right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, you can't put noodles on the ground. I'm like, no, wait, you can. Yeah. And I know this sounds like a joke, but like having taken psychedelics and having hung out with people who are on psychedelics, it is very similar. Yes. That's, it's like good parenting advice is, I know it sounds crazy, but if you consider that they are sober, obviously, but they're having a trip of reality mm. where everything's new. Mm-hmm. Her brain programs haven't started filling in gaps mm. and prioritizing things as important as unimportant. Mm-hmm. So when she's in the tub and she's really emphatically asking me to turn the water back on, mm-hmm. and I'm like, but the water's already full. I'm in the tub with her and I'm like, it's going to splash over. I'm like, turn the water back on. Yeah. If somebody was on... LSD or something and they were having a great trip and they're like turn the water back on I wouldn't be like it's gonna overflow I would have compassion for their level of wonder so when I consider that Leela in her natural state is as fascinated as someone in a peak spiritual state or a drug state it helps me go like of course she wants to play one more round of I chase her around the house And then she tumbles into a stack of paper towels that we put up in the living room. Mm -hmm. Um, The same compassion and understanding I would have for myself on psychedelics or someone else I have for the baby (laughs) and put on groovy music and be silly and make sure they feel safe. I mean, it's all there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Make sure they eat similarities. She's going to be too fascinated with the world to eat. You have to remind them to eat and drink water. Yeah. It's, it's a very childlike place to be on a uncertain chemicals. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there is a lot of, like I used to go on walks with Leela in the baby carrier and, um, and like try to see, the trees and everything the way that she was seeing it, like try to see it brand new. Um, I mean, there it's, it is, and you'll find that you cannot avoid opportunities to reparent your child self while you are parenting this child. Like your stuff will come up and you have an example now of what it's like to nurture that thing. That's just wanting your attention. Yeah. Um, and more practical advice, I would say, because that's great, spiritual stuff. Um, I would say all of that being said, I think there were points yesterday where both of us were not able to do that. And we were frustrated with Leela. And in that case, like, try to tap out as much as you can. Tap out, ride it out, all the outs. Yeah. Thank each other a, a lot. If you can thank each other, we thank each other for the smallest things. And in fact, usually when you say thank you for doing the dishes. I say, thank you. I think of like, what did I see you do that day? And I'm like, Hey, thanks for 
uh, taking out the trash. Or like you say, thank you for cooking dinner. And I say, thanks for watching Leela so I can cook dinner. Like I think thanking each other is so big because you're just naturally going to be, there are going to be some days where it's so taxing that you feel like you, you are doing so much and it's not being seen or appreciated because it's not going to be seen or appreciated by the child or the baby, at least not directly in that moment. (laughs) I think I thought of a good example. We were in the tub last night and she wanted to take her Daniel Tiger trolley in the tub. Yeah. And she was just in a a mood. Like she was in a a mood the last few days. She's been as good, delightful as she could possibly be. And then it spiked with like very intense meltdowns. Yeah. And what's frustrating about the meltdowns is you're giving her what she wants. Mm-hmm. She wants. She loves when I cover myself with a blanket, and then she jumps on me, which can actually be quite painful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm doing it, and she's having a meltdown. So there, it's a unique frustration. Yeah. And these are the moments where you have to go into the inner spring, not to retreat from the experience, but to see it for what it is, and yeah. be like, "It's okay that she's having a meltdown. It's not your fault." It's not your fault. Yeah. So we're in the tub and she's just having, she didn't want me to wash her at all. And that's my point. There's moments where you go, you need to wash your booty. Yeah. <laughs> you need to wash your booty. And then you go, is that true? Yeah. Is this, is this really necessary? But then even better, she wants to take the trolley in the tub. Yeah. And I'm trying to explain to her, you can explain more and more, but it's harder if we put an electronic toy in the tub, it will break. Yeah. So I go, this has batteries, so we can't put it in the tub. And she's just flipping out. Yeah. Like she's standing up. It's getting dangerous. Yeah. So that's a really good example of what I'm talking about. When you have to call into question, what rules are you following that maybe later, when she's a little bit older, we can go, don't put a toy with batteries in the tub mm. because it'll have a consequence that you'll understand. But like, I let her put the trolley in the tub mm-hmm. and it did break. <laughs> uh, it still makes sounds, but it won't roll anymore. Guess who doesn't give a shit? Yeah, she doesn't Leela, care. You can all. still push it. It's yeah. still a toy. It's still her trolley. Yeah. And I was getting h- hooked up on like, this is a waste. Yeah. It's going to break it. It's not broken if what she likes about it isn't its rolling capacity. Yeah. But you get stuck in that commercial mythology that what makes the toy exceptional is it's when you push the forward button, it rolls forward five inches well, and it's, slowly. It's not, That's not even what she likes about it. Let her put it in the tub. Some people would say, fuck that shit, get some boundaries going. You got to be the boss. You got to show them the consequences of their actions. I, I don't know. I go time of that. But- for sure. But not in that moment, I was like, it's your toy. Yeah. It always comes down to I'm here to help. Yeah. I mean, you can't do shit and you are a person. Yes. You are she's a, a person. She's a person. She's not a developer. You're not like a toddler. You're a person. Yeah. And you can't reach anything and you can't do anything. I am your iron giant. And if you <laughs> want the trolley in there, it's not just to spoil you. It's because you can't do it. And stopping you is like if somebody came in here and turned off this podcast. That's how it would feel to her. Well, yeah, she has no reference for that. Uh, Like when you are, somebody explained it to me this way. It's like when we're taking away or turning the TV off when she wants to be watching the TV, that's exactly the same as if somebody were to come into the house and take 
Leela away from us. There is no range right. in their it's just, understanding. It's either, it's it's either, either something bad is happening or something isn't. And happening. she certainly is acting that way as if something got taken away from her. Like, so a treasure got taken away from her in a past life or something. Um, I wanted to say even more than that, I, I do think that for me, I the more stressed I get, the more rigid I get. So it's not even about whatever the thing is. Like if I were in that situation, it's not about I really want, don't want her to put the trolley in the tub. I'll be in a whole mindset where I'm like, we have to get this bath time. The bath time has to go exactly this way we, where I'm like trying to control everything and I'll get really rigid. And the same thing happens with her. I can see it when she is feeling a lot for whatever reason she has no flexibility of right. like what she has her idea of what should be happening and she freaks out. And sometimes I've laughed at moments where I realize we're in like this standoff and we're both doing the same, our own version right, of the right. things. And I have to remind myself that I'm not the two-year-old. I'm the adult. That's exactly my so point. So I have to bend when she can't. She's overreacting about wanting the trolley in the tub. I'm overreacting about not wanting to ruin the trolley. Yeah. Between the two of us, I Who's will the be one the one to change? yield. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like in the morning. There's some mornings... She wakes up. It's cold outside. It's dark. There's nothing to do except maybe watch. There, there's this great thing on Amazon Prime, actually, where they read children's books yeah. uh, to you, which, which is still TV, but it, for some reason, I feel like it's slightly better. So anyway, um, she starts crying for the TV. And then what I'll do, and I, I'm not saying this is like perfect or anything, but instead of turning on the TV while she's screaming and crying for it, you just go, okay, we'll watch TV. Okay. But... Let's walk around the house and turn some lights on. Because mm-hmm. I don't want the first thing, the light she sees to be the TV. Let's light the fireplace. Let's turn this light on dim. Slowly walk around the house. It's the same thing I'm saying. Like, can we set a tone for her? Okay, you can have the TV. But let's do it slowly. And then I walked around. I'm opening the curtains. I'm getting a little bit of light in the house. And then by the time we're back to the living room, she's going, watch TV? <laughs> like she's not screaming and crying anymore. Yeah. So it's this nice little, again, it remains to be seen big picture if this is like a good strategy, but I'm saying yeah. like to think of her as a human, yeah. to respect her, to think of her as a person yeah. and to think that I'm there to help, but then to try and find nice ways to be like, okay, we are going to do something sort of that I don't love. We're going to watch TV in the morning, but like, Let's do it gently. Yeah. Like, I don't want to negotiate with terrorists. I don't want you to have to feel like you have to be a terrorist to get what you want. Mm. Let's walk around slowly and monastically, and then we'll watch yeah. uh, some video from the 70s where they read Snowy Day. Yeah. Well, and I think we there are, you know, we do set boundaries uh, when we need to, but it is a, it is about, like, just, like, a relationship with anybody else because she is a full person it's about like knowing the moments and flowing with whatever is facing you in that moment oh exactly and then the moment she seems like she kind of wants to play the the david copperfield level manipulation of first you turn the volume off on the tv so it's still on then you get her playing and then you turn the tv off but all of that is the same piece of advice which is like see her as a legitimate human being with needs and the same needs as you, and also try to meet them in a way that steers her closer to reading a book with you, or playing toys with yeah. you, or going outside you're, you're with like you. You're like bumpering the 
the bowling alley uh, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. But I also think, you know, today also what happened is she wanted to play with the cleaning supplies under the sink. And you said, well, no. she loves spraying them in her mouth. Yeah. She has a play one with water. And I'm like, she's going to take this Clorox and spray it in her mouth. So it's like, no. Yeah. And you said no. And, and then she just had to cry. And sometimes she just is asking for things like that because she needs to have a good cry. And on some level in her toddler brain, she knows that she, if she asks for something she can't have, she'll cry and she'll release that stuff. So she cried for a long time about it. And we just were like, yeah, you're really mad. You really want that. You're really sad. Just like validating her feelings, but still setting that boundary, which, which I'm, I'm trying to do, to do more. Human I, that's one last piece of advice. I hear you is a really good piece of advice. I, yeah, hear, you. I hear you. You want to get out of the car. I hear you. Okay, we're going to go home. Yeah. I hear you. But all of those are two years ahead from where you are right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, think just, of it as camping. Just come back to this episode when you're in. Uh, have all that stuff applies. I think that for, Most of it. for people with newborns, the main thing to focus on is is can you be compassionate towards yourself because this is a very strange and hard time? Um, and can you be present as much as possible for the baby? Just being present. That's the main thing that... Right. And even when the baby... Because babies, if your baby is crying a lot right now, they do cry a lot in the beginning. They don't... That doesn't mean that they're always going to be But don't postpone crying. your enjoyment of the baby to when they stop crying. That's right. The real up level is like... They are crying. We are going out of our minds and trying to find the laugh and the enjoyment. And you were really good at, at being like, I mean, sometimes it just drove us crazy. And we had both have a lot of funny stories about losing our minds because she was crying. But you were also good at remembering in those moments, I waited so long to hear your cry. Yeah, that's like, right. This is what knowing, your cry sounds like. Yeah. And, and I did. Boy, There's. it's all in the, the 10 month. Just in gestation period is so helpful. Yeah. It prepares, I can't speak to you, but I know it prepared you for the whole process. Yeah. And I was looking forward to seeing her and holding her and hearing her. Yeah. And when you're holding her, seeing her and hearing her, but it's not what you wanted to hold, hear, or see, like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. Like, you got what you, it's here. Yeah, she's so here. It's always don't postpone your enjoyment to when she goes to bed or when she stops crying, try to enjoy whatever's happening. And by the way, that's just good advice for life. Um, this should be a quick one. Uh, so not like that. <laughs> that took us like 30 minutes to answer. Um, uh, Val, all the things P okay. That's a compliment. So I won't read that, but thank you. This is from Millsley two, two, one. Millsley. Uh, <laughs> uh, Millsy. 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 Um, I'm trying to search back to the PTSD symptom you described of being absent from yourself, like you were not part of your being. What did you call that? Um, this is a really common trauma response, and I, I would have either called it dissociation or fragmentation. Those are often like kind of described in, in uh, conjunction with each other. Uh, but dissociation is like leaving your body. And uh, some people really experience actually like witness, like they've left their body and they're looking outside at, at, themselves? Their, at themselves. Or you just experience that with like just numbness. I would numbness think that's a trauma-induced externalization. Like that could be a real astral sort of phenomenon that was induced by trauma that you couldn't... What I'm saying is... They might be achieving something that people that are meditating are trying are to trying achieve. Are trying to, yeah. 
but their body or their soul or whatever is doing it for a reason other than sitting and trying to do it. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is fragmentation where you just kind of, you feel like if you've seen inside out where they go into the abstract thought and they become like different shapes and and like you just feel fragmented. You don't, you don't have a whole sense of yourself. Um, and it's all protective measures to try and cope with, with what happened, which is, um, I'm learning, I just read something that was like, the trauma is not the event, it's the reaction to an event that happened where you didn't have enough resourcing to be with it, so you got emotionally flooded. Um, So so our body finds, and our mind, our system finds really creative ways to protect ourselves against that. Uh, And and so it makes a lot of sense that dissociation Mm. and fragmentation would be symptoms of that. Um, so yeah, to this person, I would also just recommend that book that I just started. So I can't fully speak to it, but I can tell it's going to be a really good one called trauma sensitive mindfulness. It might be trauma sensitive meditation. Um, but if you search that, you'll either of those words, you'll come up for it with it. It's funny. I, I experienced depersonalization, which is a, maybe in the same family. Maybe I use that word too. Yeah. I think I liked your words. I wasn't passive aggressively correcting you. I, I just, the first time I smoked pot, I was 28 and my brother brought it to me and I had just gotten divorced or, you know, my wife just left. So we were in other separate apartments and, um, we smoked weed and my brother likes weed. And so it was very strong and, um, so for like two, three weeks afterwards, I felt like someone else was living my life and I was, mm. it was horrible. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. And I couldn't, um, I couldn't be funny. I couldn't uh, do improv. Uh, standup was very difficult to do. Some people here would say, so it didn't wear off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I blew auditions, all this stuff. And I, um, oh, I'm just now realizing as you're linking it to, trauma Hmm. what never even occurred to me back then was my wife had just left me yeah so like the weed to use richie's word occasioned it right i was going through a dissociative period yes where my life did feel out of my control yeah where i was dissociated from my body yeah aggressively sure and then i smoked weed but then for three weeks, so without a doubt, I think it's 36 hours. or I don't know how long weed stays in your system. Yeah. But it's out of my system and I'm still feeling it. It was a trauma response. Yeah, absolutely. I, so That's I, so fascinating. I just want to sympathize yeah. and commiserate that I know what that feels like and it's horrible. Um, and, and it does get better. It does go away. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's not caused by what you think it's caused by. Right. Uh, I mean, and and it might not just get better th- through time. You might need to do trauma work. Um, if, if you think that it's because of trauma, um, then you definitely do need to do trauma work because time doesn't fix trauma. Um, but yeah, I would recommend reading that or in, as always, if you, if you can find a therapist or have a therapist who knows about trauma, um, it's, it's embodiment is really, the short answer, at least embodiment, is one of the ways to um, to start dealing with that. But you, with trauma, you want to have support of a therapist. You don't really want to go spelunking into that for the first time on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, 
this is one kind of for you because it says it's by Soul Rebel 707. Rebel! I wonder if the 707 is an area code because that is also my area code from Humboldt. 707! Um, are either of you listening or reading Ramdas's new book, Being Ramdas? Love to hear yours or Pete's thought. And also, I was wondering when we get to hear your story. Um, oh, yeah. Perhaps it's not something you want care to share if it's too personal or not time yet, but I really want to hear more of your story, Val's story. By that, I mean where you came from, what was your grow- growing up like, how you got on the spiritual path. I feel like I know Pete's story. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. I, I guess I don't really. I talk about more like what's what I'm going through now. Um, that's cool. Thank you. I read the rest of that. That that's so kind. Thank you for those kind kind words. Seven of seven. Seven of seven. Um, I am reading it. It's really hard because Leela's been uh, a handful, so I read it in like two pages at a time if I'm lucky, and I really love it. And it's making me uh, miss him. And then I have to remember that, you know. As he would say, if you close your eyes, you'll feel that they didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's not like we were texting before anyway. So he does live on in that, and I'm really excited to get into it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have I don't have too much on it other than I'm enjoying it. Yeah, stay tuned because I'm sure the more you read it, the more you want to being Ram does yeah. talk about it. Um, and I would love to tell more of my story. As it, I mean, it's just kind of is based on what comes up in our conversation but i'm not i don't feel private at all i'm happy it's easier for me to share my story than it is to share the things that we share on this podcast because it's always easier for me to talk about things that i got through than things that i'm currently going through oh yeah that's i feel exactly the same you could answer the one which is how you got on the spiritual path i I, when we dated it's so funny it sounds so sort of old school Um, So I'm not saying this is true for everybody, but when we were dating and we both just had that shared history in the church, your father was a pastor. We knew the evangelical world. We knew the same uh, general stuff. I think I went deeper because of my Christian college and all that stuff or whatever, Mm -hmm. but we had the the same bedrock Mm -hmm. and that was really helpful yeah. Um, and then you were just, you did somebody else's podcast where you described me as a Christian mystic and yourself as, what, why don't you talk a, about that? Like a, yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I described you as a Christian mystic and me currently just more uh, into like Buddhism and mysticism. Um, but, but I hold all of it really lightly, as you can probably see on this podcast. I really am... Um, at, at least at this juncture at a phase of my life where it's like a real whatever works like whatever it all gets filtered through my system and whatever is resonating and like vibrating my heart that gets allowed in and whatever isn't just doesn't with no judgment but it's I'm not holding any one path very tightly um, because I did have the experience of doing that growing up with Christianity and um and I Pema Chodron has this really great thing about sticking to one boat so she's she's like you know you can do the survey of paths but eventually you want to pick one path so that you can follow that all the way through because otherwise you risk 
being jumping ship anytime things start to get deep and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think that is so brilliant and really I can see the value in that. And I think that's great advice to take. And I wrestled with that when I heard it because it just didn't, it wasn't sitting right with what I needed. Um, I feel more like I am, I have, I am in the ocean and I have bricks attached to my feet and I'm going to be exploring the depths, depths, whether I like it or not. So I'm just grabbing any tools that seem Mm. like they will help me when I'm down there. I'm not, there's no way to avoid the depths for me. Mm. (laughs) So it's not, it's not as much of an issue. So cheer, having the agency to cherry pick is really helpful for me. I also think at your age, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're 31, feels completely appropriate. As you said, I I find Richie just works for me. So I love Ram Dass, obviously. Mm-hmm. I love Alan Watts, obviously. But I, I, I'm not sure exactly why, and I'm not really interested to even explore why. It seems to all be coming, at least this month, mm-hmm. in Richie. Yeah. Um, Meaning, I'm saying that to you being like, I think going to lots of different sections of the buffet is fine. Yeah. And then it will naturally, you'll just keep going back to the general so's, <laughs> your yeah. general so's. Well, I mean, Richie is really, I, I, he's definitely a respected teacher of mine. I, he's, he's a top dog for sure. But I'm feeling that way about Tara Brock right now. Like everything that I'm learning in my therapy and my, and like my embodiment and my trauma stuff is really merging with the spiritual in Tara Brock's teachings and meditations. Whoops. Sorry. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think that I think I was, maybe the foundation was just laid from my parents being pastors that I was just always going to have a spiritual practice. But what kickstarted you? I think I have an idea, but like you went when we were dating yeah. There was a definite period where I started getting really into it. That's true. And, and then I was like, I wonder if Val will. Mm-hmm. And then you did. Do you remember why? I think I, I I was always like interested in it, but it wasn't necessarily my... It just wasn't like... I wasn't hearing the call yet until my depressive episode. Is that what you were thinking? hmm Yeah. And then... And then when I was pregnant, I was just experiencing... And your depressive episode was a death. It was, yeah, it was a death. you went away. Yeah, I died. And then you came back. Mm -hmm. And then the urgency to know who... This is my interpretation. The urgency to know who you really are was brought to the forefront. Yeah. Because everything you thought you were was taken from you. Yeah. And the kind of cute way to put it... But there you still were, mm-hmm. and then it came back, and there you still were. So what was the constant? That's how I would frame it. Uh, yeah. But it might have been maybe, what was it? How I would think, you phrase it? I think that is definitely true. There's that on one level. And then the other one was just basic. I was suffering, and I needed That's what re- I thought. And I needed relief. I think it's the cute Hallmark channel to be like, and I was in, I died, Yeah. and then I came back. But what was there was the soul. That's the nice way to put it. Yeah. I think, like Gungi said, our friend Michael Gunger, he was like, I had to start waking up because it was too painful yeah. to stay asleep. And I was really grateful f- that you were a little bit ahead of me and into it because I did know to lean into the teachers that we knew and, and to lean into meditation practice. And mm. so I had the tools there that it was like, oh, now I see what the appeal is for these things because like, 
I was just at a phase when you started getting into it, I was at like the most comfortable kind of thrilling part of my life. Like I wouldn't say it was like the happiest point of my life, but you know, we were still relatively newly in love and living together and yeah, doing lots of fun things, doing and- lots of just like got to just not work for the first time in my life and or adult life and travel with you. And like my life felt like a, just a, buffet of delights and pleasures that there was nothing else. We already made this point. So why wake up if the dream is so nice? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then, and I remember almost as a challenge, like a month before the depressive episode, I remember saying to Nikki at the Ram Dass retreat, David Nickturn, I'm too comfortable. I'll, I'll need to like, something will need to happen to make me uncomfortable before I'm going to really throw myself into this. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I take that challenge. Yeah, you cosmically Amazoned it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, um, thank you, Mama. Thank, yeah, that was a great question. And thank you And we'll get into it more that. and more. Yeah. Um, this is a short one. I'm sort of running out of steam. Well, this is a short one, so we'll... No, I, I'm just letting you know, I'm... Uh, this is something I would never say to a guest. I've I've wanted to, <laughs> but um, I'm no, just letting you know. Let's do a couple more. I and but how are you feeling? Is really what I'm saying. I am feeling exactly the same way. I was gonna say I agree with you. That's why I was I saved this one for the end because I knew it would just be like a three word answer. Um, I want to see if I can answer or give my perspective in 15 words. Okay, cool. Hit it. I love this challenge. We should do this every time. Yeah, let's see. And and you get 15 words, too. (laughs) I think I should get 25, but okay. Okay, you get 25. Because Um, the female brain is smaller. Yeah, I'll see if I can do it. Yeah? No, I was already 100% JK. Um, I'll try to do it in 15. And watch, I'm going to be terrible at it now. This is Lolo Girl asks, what's going to be the first thing you do in a post-pandemic world? Yep. Okay, I'll give my answer. Okay, go ahead. Um, I'm going to count. I can't wait to <laughs> dance in my dance studio and go to Largo shows. That was 14. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's it for me. <laughs> Largo, Comedy Store, uh... Porch hangs. Yeah. And walking around fearlessly. Yeah. And not dreaming about being exposed. <laughs> 14 as well. Yeah, also 14. I, love I had one of those dreams last night where I was like, you guys, I should be wearing a mask. Like, it's, uh, I, it's, I, so, it's such a dumb. so crazy that it's seeped so deeply into our subconscious. Yeah. But also, of course, it has. What a beautiful question. I really, I'm just wanting that small stuff. I, just, I know. I just want too. one friend to come over. It's not like you oh, need to. Yeah. What I, if I was like orgies? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am really looking forward to dinner parties. Going to dinner. Go. I love restaurants. So like going. I also to, want to sit. Ooh, a dumpling place in Manhattan, uh, sitting elbow to elbow with with people not speaking English. Yes. Because if they're speaking so English, I'm going to have to listen. But if it's if it's Mandarin or, or then I can relax. <laughs> I also want to add to this list. It is I am like so excited to like I I really think I might just like French kiss all of my friends <laughs> because it's been I'm such a physical 
Like I show my love yeah. by with no, physical touch. And it's been so hard for me to not be able to squeeze my friends. My friend Katie just sent a picture of us at uh, like November of last year. And our, our like lips, like our faces are touching and our lips are like almost touching and we're just posing for a smile. And it was like, oh, I miss being like close with my people. Last night when Lee was being really difficult was the pretty much the first time I really missed stand-up. And I was like, it's not just stand-up. It's getting in the car, driving down Sunset, yeah. feeling the history, getting to the club, talking to people, hanging backstage, laughing, yeah. standing behind the curtain, waiting for them to call my name, coming out to 200-whatever people, being close, seeing them. They see me sharing thoughts, riffing, driving home, happy. I was like, that sounds so self-serving, but I was like, I just want to... That's that's definitely something I was missing. And I feel like I want to be saying, like, I love the slow pace of this. And, like, I'm just so – it's so cozy. And, like, I can I can just be alone with my, with my experience. Um, I'm looking forward to not spending so much time in my goddamn mind and experience. Yeah, me too. And the momentum of, like, you going up – you going to stand up and, like, me going to dance and having, like – we don't have to go as fast as we were, but just having like a nice flow of movement and yeah. novelty in the day. Ooh, can't wait. I love it. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll play. This is an East Forest song. Okay. And this we is love a, East Forest. This right. is. Uh, yes, your, we do. This is. This is from well, Orbit. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Right. I just feel like we should give them credit. Absolutely. Um, this is a very short, roomy poem. Oh, I love this one. Is it yeah, Toad Lick? It's Toad Lick. This is my favorite. Okay. God created the child that is your wanting so that it might cry out so that milk might come cry out don't be stolid and silent with your pain lament and let the milk of loving flow into you man this keeps coming up it's like we talked about it with Jamie Kilstein to the podcast and I've just been thinking about letting your pain show like the foam you read at the beginning. It's like yeah. wasting it and not seeing it as this season. And then also sharing it. Yeah. It can be really beautiful to be like, like I said to you before we recorded, I was like, Val, I'm feeling punchy today. Yeah. Like, let, let, let's work with it. Let's yes. not resist it. Let's work with it and let it show and accept help. And That's why, like, jerking off to porn, right, isn't, isn't like the most nasty, vile, horrible thing I used to think it was. The, the part that I would say isn't necessarily great is it's not having the vulnerability to wait for you and I to address each other sexually. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Again, no no judgment. Yeah. But, but I said on uh, Jim Norton's radio show, I was like, we need to be vulnerable enough to um, let a need uh, build up. Yeah. And, and be vulnerable enough to need someone else to help us with it. I know it's funny that I'm talking about sex, but that's true for a million things. Yeah, this does keep coming up because remember I told you the story yesterday. Leela like nearly touched the fire in the fire pit. And I, I like freaked out and was just like, don't touch. And I saw the like terror in her face and she just curled up in a ball. Mm. And I felt so ashamed. So in that moment, she feels terrified. We both feel terrified. Then she feels like some weird just like melting, hiding kind of 
fear. And I feel so bad that I scared my baby. And I, it, but then it led to her curling into a ball, me folding my body over her, us just holding each other silently. And then I, I just held her for a long time and until she pointed at the lemon tree and went, pick a lemon. And like we had, it ended up being this beautiful moment mm-hmm. because, because just, she let it show and you let it show. Yeah. Cause we, and, and it was, it was an opportunity. And I thought this, I was like any opportunity, even her falling or, or her crying because she didn't get what she wanted. That's an opportunity for me to constantly sh- and you to constantly show up for her and be like, your feelings are welcome here. And I will all, I will be here. And really we're the, we're the ambassadors of life for her right now. So she's learning that life will be is safe and that her feelings belong here. So why would ours be any different? Why would our pain be any different? It's an opportunity for the love to come in. Keep it. <laughs> no, it ends with the song. It was just the song ended. That was so good. That's it. That's it. It's a great lesson I see from Leela. She's sad. She's hurting. She's embarrassed. Let it show. Let it show. Let and it show. be grateful. Be vulnerable enough to let someone else see it. It's not a flaw. Let the milk show up. Yeah, it's not a flaw in the system. It's it's like Inside Out. We always quote it. But when sadness she realizes that she needs sadness in order for yes. her family to show up. It's the message her. of inside out. Yeah. But it's true. Let's all be vulnerable enough to share our needs and to show our needs. Yeah. And to trust first, trust the universe, trust each other and have the humility to go. Who am I to not be sad? Who am I to not be angry, frustrated, bored, depressed, horny? What image of myself do I have that I think that I'm above a tree that needs light or water yeah. or a cat that needs delicious Meow Mix brand cat food. <laughs> and our Meow, sponsor for this Meowmix.com <laughs> slash weird for 0% off. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's beautiful. What you said it was more, we could have ended there. No, I loved it. All right. Mm-hmm. You guys, thank you for the questions. I mean, you all, you all, thank you for the questions. Thanks, y'all. Um, and keep them coming. We'll answer them as we can. We obviously are a couple of gabbers, so um, it takes we'll a while to, to yeah, get we'll through get them, it. but we'll get to them. All and, right. um, <laughs> oh my gosh, keep it crispy. She was looking kind of dumb, dumb with a finger, finger and a thumb and a great on her forehead. Wiki, 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 wow. You can't stop drumming with it. Don't stop drumming. Burn to the fray. Make it, make it, run, running. Ain't an egg sense not to live for I fun. mean, if you're in a good mood and that comes, and comes on the radio. It doesn't make sense not to live for fun. Windows up, volume up. All right. Peace.